Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of the podcast. In today's episode, I interview the Lingaholics, Marcus, Cody, and Ian. And the Lingaholics are a group of language enthusiasts based out of Canada. They each have their own views on language learning and their own language learning projects, but they're united through their passion for learning languages. In the show notes or the podcast description, I don't really know what the ideal word for that is, you will find the timestamps for each topic which we covered in depth. So that way you have a sort of table of contents for the podcast episode and you can see what we talk about in detail. Uh, that being said, uh, some of the highlights of the episode are that you'll get to know the Lingaholics and how they met each other and created their group and podcast. And that means that you will also hear about all the benefits of having such a group and the fun language learning projects and challenges they do together. We covered a range of topics from reflections on the best way to study vocabulary, the breadth versus depth approach in learning languages, that's to say dabbling uh, in many languages as opposed to intensively studying just one or two languages, and of course the benefits and reasons associated with each uh, approach. Right at the end of the episode, we do a rapid-fire activity of switching between speaking French, Spanish, and Chinese, and that was a lot of fun. I actually recorded this episode over a year ago on the 18th of December 2021. All I can say is, better late than never, and it's finally published. All that being said, enjoy the episode. This is the Ace Talks Languages podcast. Hello, everybody. My name's Senor, and this is this is not my podcast. I usually do a po- <laughs> and, uh, intro on my Lingaholics <laughs> podcast intro, so um, I'm going to turn it over to the actual host here. Yep. Right up the that, that was a quality intro. I can't tell you the number of times that I've actually heard your intros. I'm I'm one episode behind on your podcast, but that's because I don't want uh, spoilers from Money Heist. I haven't watched oh, it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Good call. Okay. Good call. But anyway, so hello, everyone. It's Ace here, and I'm joined here by the Lingaholics. So today's episode is going to be awesome because we've got four people. We're going to have four people going at once, which will be interesting. It's, it's going to be a, a busy day. Um, but I'm joined here by Marcus, Ian, and Cody, and... Uh, I thought just to begin, like, maybe not everyone who's going to be listening to this episode has listened to your podcast, or, or maybe they, they don't know who you guys are. So it's always a good idea to start with an introduction. So I just thought maybe, maybe I know when you guys do your podcast, you sort of go go around the at the tables and take turns talking about what you've been up to. But maybe to start off with, we can go around and say, rather than what we've been up to in the last week, just sort of who we are, what our background is, what languages we study, that kind of thing. And then maybe also what we're up to at the moment. Because um, I know, Cody, you're in, you're in South Korea, which will be, we'll talk about that hopefully at some point. But yeah, let's, let's start with Cody. What's up, Cody? Yeah, sure. So my name is Cody. I, uh, I first started getting into languages when I was in high school with German. And ever since then, I just got pretty hooked on it. And after German, I started with uh, Spanish. And then when I was in university, so when I went to university, that's what I studied was German and Spanish. And I dabbled a bit in French, too. And uh, eventually I got into Chinese and I went to China for two years to teach English. And then... Uh, Last year, I, I guess it's like two years, almost two years at this point now, uh, Senor and I, Mr. Ian, decided to to get into Korean. So we started learning Korean and we did a little episode on our podcast about that. And uh, 
uh, about nine or ten months ago, I actually moved here to to Korea to teach English as well. And um, I'm actually going to be coming back to Canada in March. And hopefully uh, my plan is to go back to school so I can become a public school teacher uh, for foreign languages back in Calgary, Alberta. So that's pretty much all there is to say about me. Awesome. Cheers, Cody. And what about you, Marcus? Well, okay. So I'm originally from Sweden, uh, hence the nickname Sweco. Um, but I've spent the last like 10 years over on this side of the pond, so to speak. Um, uh, I speak Swedish as my native tongue, but I, I happened to learn English at a very early age. Um, since then, I've taught myself Spanish and French, some Portuguese, a little bit of Italian, dabbled in Russian, and uh, what else? Oh, yeah, I learned German in school when I was in school in high school back in uh, Suecia and Sweden. Um, yeah, that's about it. I live in Southern Ontario, right outside of Toronto right now. And I'm an engineer, by the way, that's my daytime job. But, um, yeah, I, I like languages. <laughs> yeah. Actually sounds that's a lot my... like me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and senor Ian, what's up with you? Hey everybody. Um, yeah. So I, the name's senor, which I go by on this podcast and I'm lucky enough as a public school teacher. That's also what my students call me. Um, or Monsieur, if I have my French class. Um, so I grew up kind of like 99% of Canadians who took a language class. Like for me, that being French through high school. But that was it. You took it. You didn't actually speak it. Or um, to say you learned it might be a bit of a, a long shot. Uh, but for me, the real passion came about. I took a trip to Cuba my second year at the University of Saskatchewan, where I was amongst some fellow Saskatchewanites who uh, who could speak Spanish, and that kind of blew my mind. And that was really the seed that got planted for me back in 2009. That was uh, so I got really into Spanish for a couple of years. Uh, once I had that really established, I decided to go back and try that French that. Uh, my friends and I had all struggled throughout um, school learning and sure enough, it clicked. So I was like, whoa, that's cool. Um, I'm half Ukrainian on my mom's side. And I was like, I'm gonna try Ukrainian. That was a lot tougher, a lot harder. Uh, Slavic language is definitely not a romance language. But I did that for another four years. And then Really, since then, it's just kind of been building uh, block by block. I'm really interested in German uh, to go teach there one day on an exchange that my school division offers. So uh, working hard on German, uh, like Cody said, got into Korean about a year and a half ago, just kind of as a mini challenge. But then other languages that have come about, Portuguese, Italian, and I've also, um, if everybody knows the uh, you the polyglot personalities, uh, Seabolt. I think he described himself once as a serial dabbler. And I think <laughs> I, uh, I fall into that category as well, because, uh, uh, I think once you have a few languages under your belt and you just, uh, want to try more and more, see how crazy you can get, you can go, you can go really out there. So uh, hopefully no one looks at my memorize page because it's got a long, long list of stuff. I just like, doing zulu for a week or something but that's that's kind of my still i have like my main languages but then um definitely not totally just settled on just sticking with those i like to play around and yes i am a school teacher now um for the last four years language teaching well i've actually been language teaching for quite a while so 
um, from adults to now I teach high school kids and a big part of my day now is just trying to get the most out of my students so they can have a, a better experience than what I started talking about at the start of this introduction. So that's my story. Yeah. Awesome. So <laughs> yeah. you've, you've all got your own sort of, well, <laughs> I, I like to joke about people, figures in the language learning community, everyone sort of has their own backstory. It's almost like a superhero origin story. You know what I mean? <laughs> as a, a lot of people will like cite a moment as like their, I don't know, their genesis. It's like what what made them get into language learning and stuff like that. So you've all got your own background and stuff, but how did you actually meet and become the so-called lingoholics and start your podcast? Where did it all Classic. come together? Classic. It all, so Cody, it all, Cody, you want to go ahead? Yeah, it all started at, a university bar at the University uh-huh. of Alberta. <laughs> oh yeah, Dewey's. Okay. For anyone, was... for anyone who goes to the University of Alberta, it started at Dewey's. <laughs> so uh, that's where Ian and I originally met, and that was yeah. back in that was back in 2013. 2013. Uh, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Back. So we had a we had a Spanish conversation club that both of us uh, went to. And, uh, yeah, we just, um, we, we didn't become like, like really good friends, but we were like acquaintances. Like we knew each other and like, we hung out once in a while. And then, uh, after university, we, uh, we both just went our separate ways. And, um, and then, uh, I'll meet, I'll turn it over to you guys. Cause the the story picks up from you guys. Please say it. So, uh, when I moved to Calgary in 2019, in January of 2019, the first thing I started to do to like meet people was to, to go to these language meetups. So meetup.com, uh, this place where you can meet new people and there's a bunch of groups with different uh, interests that you can go and, and hang out with people in. Uh, so I did that for languages, like languages is a really big thing on meetup. So I did that. There's a group in Calgary run by Azrin, the language nerd, shout out. Shout out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I went there and I went for a couple of times and I met some pretty cool people to begin with, like my friend, Jose, I met Ali, I met some other cool people, but then one day, one day in, the, in like the meetup group, like there's a chat section, like a comment section under like the specific event that no one ever writes in, like ever, like no one ever <laughs> writes in there. You have to like RSVP, but you never write anything. <laughs> That's like pretty customary. But then there's this one guy one day <laughs> named Cody who writes this message, this comment in, in the event group, like, hey guys, just came home from China. Like I'm super excited. <laughs> languages. I'm super excited to come and yeah, hang out right, with you guys, speak some that. languages. Like, I haven't spoken Spanish in a while. Like, I'm really excited to go do it. And I'm like, this guy sounds <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I can't wait to meet this guy. And then, like, I go there, and I'm a little bit late, right? And everyone's sitting around the table. I'm a little bit late. And I see this new guy who's sitting there and is, like, very, like, boisterous, very, like, talkative. And he's, like, sitting there. He's super excited. I'm like, that has to be that guy in the comment section. <laughs> And I go up and I sit right next to him and I'm like, hey, well, it was Spanish, right? I said, hola, me llamo Marcos. Eres el, eres, eres el tío en, el, en, el, uh, en los comentarios. And he was like, yeah, soy Codo. Well, Cody, Cody back then, Cody. Yeah, I wasn't Codo uh, back then. But but we hit it off, man, pretty quick. Yeah, like, you know Cody what? Had... As soon as I met you, I was like, this is a cool guy that I want to hang out with. Like, like we hit it off pretty quick and we became good friends. So like we started hanging out. And yeah. uh, we did that for a couple months. We did that for a couple months. This was probably in May or June. 
I would guess May of 2019. Uh, That'd be my guess. Yeah. But like early it April. It was April. April, May. Okay, spring, early summer. Um, and then we do this like religiously uh, every single week until yeah. like um, into the fall. And then sometime in like November, maybe October, uh, Cody leaves for China. Like Cody goes back to China because cause yeah. he had a great, he had to go back to his job there or he wanted to go back to his job there. And when I do that, we stop, when he does that, I stop going to the meetups. I oh. stop, we, everyone stops doing it. Like every, all my friends, they just stopped going to the meetup. Cause like Cody left, he was like the life of the party. <laughs> and like, everyone was kind of like depressed and we all fell off languages or I fell off languages. But then one day, one week, one week I was like, all right, I'm going to go back to the meetup guys. <laughs> like I have a big announcement I'm going back to the meetups and I'm going to go find another Cody. Like I'm going to find Cody 2.0. <laughs> I'm gonna go find Cody 2.0. And I go back. And this is the first time that Ian goes to the meetups. And Ian goes there and he's kind of like the same. He has like the same yeah. demeanor. He has like the same sort of personality, like charisma. Uh so I go and I sit right next to him and I start talking to him. And he's like from Edmonton too, just like Cody. Or like he moved <laughs> from Edmonton. Yeah. And he had all these, like, he was a language teacher, just like Cody and like a bunch of things. Like, <laughs> I don't know. It was pretty funny. And he spoke Spanish and French and a little bit of German, just like Cody. So I'm like, guys, I actually found Cody 2.0. And everyone was like, no, no, you didn't. No way you found him. And then Allie came and <laughs> she was like, holy shit, you actually found Cody 2.0. And then after that, um, I guess, I guess maybe, maybe I'll throw it over to you, Ian, because then you can tell, you can yeah. tell everybody about when you realize that you actually right. knew Cody, because I obviously told you about Cody. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. So again, yeah, shout out to Azrin, who I luckily enough had met the previous summer and here like, oh, Azrin's from Calgary and he hosts this meetup and stuff and just being busy first, especially as a first year teacher and then second year teacher finally make it out. Um met marcus as he said speaking french and spanish and he invites me out to meet some of these friends and they keep referring to me as cody 2.0 uh, and i'm like yeah yeah cody like everybody has a friend named cody don't they like cool like whoever this cody guy is like must be a fun cool guy and uh you know lo and behold i'm just completely oblivious ignorant no one said his last name at the time so i don't know who they're talking about and then I think this is like after a month or so of knowing Marcus. And then I went home for Christmas. And once you become Facebook friends and stuff, you see people with their pictures. And then I see this one, they're all hiking together. And like, there's Cody and Marcus together in a picture. And I'm like, no way they're talking about like Cody, who I knew from university back in 2013. And that's when I fired off a text to Sweco here. And I'm like, no way you're talking about Cody Hartsburg. And um, that was like the full circle connect all the dots, uh, like white ball moment to it all. And yeah, then, I mean, that was the dawn of 2020 and Cody shortly after came home from from China um so we were I mean before COVID lockdown hits we were meeting up in real life then we had lots there's one month we we're doing lots of like zoom hangouts talking all kinds of languages like remember we had group chats for like Spanish French German like all those different group chats yeah, and like then early pandemic yeah really mm -hmm. early pandemic and uh the three of us just had an energy about us and then that's when 
I had always had this this name Lingaholics in my <laughs> head. Um, but then just I think the one day it was just like, hey guys, what, what's your thoughts on a podcast where well, we, we were at Cody's place? We were at Cody's place drinking chilitas. <laughs> we're oh having yeah, a couple, yeah, like, have, we having did. a couple of brewskis, and then and then yeah. you guys were like. Uh, Marcus, what do you think about? Because you guys talked about it first, and then you came over to me. Well, and- Ian mentioned Ian brought it up because it was his idea, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. I, but I was, man, these these are the guys to do it with because, like, like you said, Ace, everyone's kind of got their own Genesis story. Like, once you become a polyglot, you just everyone becomes unique with their own languages mm. right away. And um, just me being kind of, I've been to Langfest, I've been to the polyglot gathering. Like, language is just the endless subjects on as I'm sure you, you know that already from all the people you can talk to and all the insights. And yeah, May, 2020, we did our first ever episode at my old place here where I live in the kitchen. And uh, that's right. Yeah. We're at 58 episodes. I think we just, I think 58. So, yeah. Yeah. You're getting up there. So, yeah. And you've been so very I consistent mean, as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think at first we're just like let's keep hammering these out more or less. And I mean, it's kind of been my dream has come true, like being able to meet people like you, Ace. Um, we've had, oh, I don't know, I don't know how many guests, like probably 20 or so guests on, been able to do some really unique episodes like our yeah. hockey night in Canada, multilingual hockey night in Canada episode and polyglot friends, uh, people we've met online, like language come up and Seavolt. So it's it's been a pretty fun adventure the last like year and a half. Yeah. I've yeah probably the best thing that's come out of me also sharing content online has just been actually surprise surprise social media and that sort of thing actually does have a social side to it like (laughs) you do find people who are interested (laughs) in the same niche as you and you you do create a social network and and it's really cool because it's Actually, what you guys found is awesome because it it happened in real life through actual meetups. But sometimes it can be difficult if you're super in, you have this super niche interest and you're not just interested in it. But you, I would go as far as to say we're sort of obsessed by it. I mean, mm. you guys call yourself the lingaholics for <laughs> for God's sake. So when you're so sort of obsessed by a topic, it's not necessarily that easy to find in your immediate social circles, a whole bunch of people who are as obsessed as you. And so when you find that, it's pretty awesome to be able to hit it off and have those conversations. Oh, well, it depends. It depends. Like I intentionally try to create my own, own social circle, which uh, agrees with my own or complies with my own interests. Right. Yeah. Uh, Or synchronizes to my own interests. Like most of my friends here, I speak Spanish with like in Southern Ontario or French. Right. Yeah, yeah. But I, I'm thinking more from the side of people who are not just um, speak the languages. Yeah, not not just speak the languages uh-huh. or study the languages that you're you're interested in, but also are obsessed about the process of language learning. Mm. Um, right. Though you do get that as well if you do make a concerted effort to go into go to these meetup events. Like for me, probably the most effective way. I've managed to do that as being through my Melbourne University French club. You get a lot of uh-huh. people there who are really interested in language learning. Yeah. Met a guy, met a guy earlier this year who probably has improved in French at the fastest rate I've ever seen anyone improve in a language. <laughs> it's Interesting. Just, That's cool it, to see. That's cool to see. Yeah. He started, I remember chatting with him at the start of the year 
in French. So I sort of got a, a at a moment in time, I got a, 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 a snapshot. A sna- yeah. Exactly, a snapshot of the level. Yeah. And I've been chatting with him since, and it's just he's been putting in ten, like some ten hours a day. He's just been obsessed by it, and he. I, yeah, speaking with him now, I'm almost like, geez, your French is getting better than mine, dude. You gotta, you gotta calm down. <laughs> yeah, slow down, man. Well, that's been the community. It, like, but having that like network, that community um, atmosphere, I think it can just like supercharge an individual's learning because I'm sure maybe he had his prior motivations before taking on French, but being part of the university group, I'm sure that just added fuel for him to like keep going and going and going and i think you can really really once you find these communities um doesn't have to be super huge either just a few people and that can just like spark you to a new level so i'm sure that might have happened for him as well yeah yeah. i yeah and that's sort of how i <laughs> i think about you guys i remember back in my running days um i would train every single day sometimes multiple times a day and uh, Saturday morning, I'd be, I'd be out in Whoop Whoop, which is out in the middle of nowhere, doing a running session with my group of like my school running team. And on on a on a Saturday evening, I would leave a party early because I had to go to sleep because I would get up the next morning. And I'd go do a long run, and from an outsider's perspective, and even me now because I'm not sort of doing that. It's just like, oh my god, how was I doing that? How was I training every single day? And the thing is, it's not like that at all because in the social circle that you've created or in the group that you've created, it is the norm in the sense mm-hmm. that this, the same people are there every single day and you're all used to it. You don't know, you don't know any different. And it's that, it's that social circle which then pushes you to go and be able to achieve those things. And it's not even like, it's not even like a strenuous effort in the sense that it's just what you do. And I sort of view you guys in that way because you've got this group and you get together every week and you talk about your language learning. But also I've you talk you have these sort of language boot camps where you get together for a weekend <laughs> and you, you chat languages. <laughs> I think I think you got an awesome thing going on where you just spur each other on. Buddy, we did that for three weeks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, three yeah, weeks. Yeah, exactly. We did that for three weeks. Good. Every single day. Yeah. Every single day was a different language. That was yeah. so much fun. That was such a blast. That was really fun, actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What did you call it? The language boot camp. Yeah, the boot camp where we all lived under the same roof. And I remember, like, by like the couple like session cycles through, it was like, okay, today's German day, so we are we're just talking German. Like we're we're washing the dishes. We're gonna talk about the hockey game that's on tonight. We're gonna talk about cooking dinner. Got, yeah, cooking dinner. Like what we got planned and. I mean, like, like that, that was fascinating. Like, cause we all like strengths and weaknesses so for German, definitely one of my weaker ones. So that day it was more of like the struggle kind of, but it was just a matter of, all right, like, let's just keep rolling with the punches, keep going. And then like, like Spanish day where I feel like the most comfortable, like, okay, like just relax. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's so fun. interesting. Like just how you have that mental switch on the different days. Right. Like I know like yeah. on the German, cause since my German is the strongest, that would, be, I would feel like, the dominating one like on those days i'd be like okay all right guys i'm in charge i'm gonna tell you guys how everything works <laughs> and then on, on the spanish day was the probably the most interesting because like i would say i probably have the weakest spanish 
for sure. Um, but it's not that bad. Like, I I still can converse fairly well. So none of us are really bad at Spanish. We're just like all different levels of good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then the what? French day was just like, we all kind of like struggled the, a bit. <laughs> I thought the French day was the most fun. It was just the most yeah, fun. Yeah, it was the most fun. Yeah, yeah. Didn't you yeah. also do Esperanto? Like, what? Oh, yeah. oh no, we didn't. Oh, we only did that for like oh, a few no, We hours. did a road trip of Esperanto with uh, with a little bit of preparation. Well, come on. We did was, some dabbling. No, no, no. That's yeah. what I mean. I was going to say, like, I think during the prior to the boot camp, I was like, guys, like, it's not that hard. Like, we can do it. Like, give us I a few I think I did hours. 10 hours or like, not 10 hours, but like five hours probably of Esperanto on Duolingo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, like, I think that's when we were just... I don't know if people tried it, but maybe when you're not taking Esperanto super seriously, but then you just start saying things in Esperanto oh. and realize it's like not hard. Like we were just like laughing because it was like the the simplicity, the logic so easy. of it. Exactly. That, you know that that road trip that we took, speaking yeah, yeah, only yeah. Esperanto in the car. That's <laughs> one of the hardest I've ever laughed in my life. Like that, yeah, we were yeah. like laughing our asses off the whole time. Like it was so just messing funny. with the accusative. I remember that. That was hilarious. Yeah, yeah. just the making like ridiculous sentences. Yes, exactly. Uh huh. So and, yeah, and this is this is a big thing in language learning, which is much more difficult to create than sitting down and just studying a textbook. Maybe difficult is not the right word, but you're not careful you can find yourself sitting down every day and and going through flashcards and stuff but something something we used to do as kids all the time is play and i mean that's sort of what this is when you get together with a bunch of your mates and you're just fooling around in the language it's sort of just play with the language and that's just something which i i think i think you've got an awesome thing going on i i, I think that that that's something i'd like to sort of implement more like maybe going away for a weekend with a few of my friends who are studying french and we just go all right english is banned let's see what happens uh-huh hmm. that's okay. really I, it like I, yeah. I don't think you need a whole bunch more than just people being like hey let, let's do that we're just gonna riff on you know like whatever comes about and yeah it's a struggle i mean like but if you just like Com commit to it and i mean i think the only difference say like say like with a, a running competition is like yes there's like tons of motivation towards this as well but there is no like ultimate test we have to take at the end say like a, a running competition so you just have that motivation but i think you're totally right on that that play element ace like just get rid of the structure get rid of the the form on just goof around like because we'd probably be doing that in english anyway so let's yeah just, yeah yeah like yeah don't be afraid to let out your inner kid like i feel like that's yeah. something that a lot of people in adult life are lacking is that, like they just don't have enough time for like uh creativity or just time to just it, really have fun yeah and we've kind of like since the boot camp because that was already almost a year ago now like we've kind of replicated at least when our other language, when we do these power hours, which is usually prior to our podcast, where we are just riffing in Spanish, French. I mean, we got really into Portuguese this past year too, um, mm -hmm. and that and that's kind of that play. Like, there's no like agenda. We're not like working on specific structures or grammar. No, you're just fooling around. We're just socializing, right? Trying to socialize, catch up with each other's lives in mm -hmm. another language. 
you you even did yeah. a podcast episode which is the, that was one of, i reckon that's one of the <laughs> most enjoyable podcasts i've listened to it was just so funny you had your timer going on and wasn't it like a randomized time? <laughs> so, yeah, you have you have an, you had an hour where you go okay this this hour is allocated to transitioning between multiple different languages but you had a timer which was in a range, right? That would like at a randomized yeah, time yeah, yeah. trigger yeah. to go. All right, next language. Super random, yeah. What? And I think you did. I think you did German, French, Spanish, French. and Esperanto. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was just so funny when you'd go. You, and you know, yeah. I tell you, what it really made me think about was how you, you're not. You're, you're so clearly. You're never going to be at the same proficiency in all of your different languages, but it was so interesting seeing that idea manifesting okay. itself in that specific context where you're transitioning between um, languages so quickly to the point mm-hmm. where you would be talking about – one of you would be talking about a topic and then the timer would go and all of a sudden you the thing that you were having such an easy time articulating in, say, German or Spanish, mm-hmm. you've got to do it in Esperanto. And you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just so, so interesting to, to witness, not just because it was – it, it was it was fun to listen to, but also just because of all of those other ideas it was making me think of, like the, yeah. the how just how it exacerbated the effect of um, transitioning between languages and demonstrating how your proficiency in different languages is it's it's not yes. isolated to to just that concept your proficiency in a language, but what that actually means is your ability to precisely articulate the topic that you want to talk about in in mm-hmm. in that language so it's like you would be talking about one thing and go from being able to be really precise to having to simplify the idea and things like that and that's it i think that's simplifying part so it maybe yeah if anyone can listen and take anything from that like because there are lots of polyglots who i don't like speak from day one or try to kind of use what you have because yeah like when you're in the language we feel like you're in a Ferrari, but then like like the next second you're just in like a, a beater that can barely start. Like just use what you have. And then I mean you could still really just go for it. I mean it's it's not gonna be as precise, as eloquent, as fluent, you know, the obsession with fluency, but just just try it, right? Like mm. like work your brain a little, but Mm-hmm. yeah i think you use those basics that you do have and then i think and then look we just have a fun environment to be able to do that in i think maybe that's key too because i think people do get self-conscious about the early language learning stages oh absolutely that that's why that's why so many people uh like say that drinking helps them speak languages because when they start get, they get a couple of drinks to them they just loosen up and they feel like they mm-hmm. they feel like their language ability just gets better and for, it's, <laughs> for mark is podcasting same thing yeah yeah marcus um, was just holding up a beer it looked like to the it's <laughs> friday night yeah. here in ontario yes that's fair enough yeah blame me for me it's uh, but yeah like your, your language ability doesn't uh <laughs> it doesn't actually get better when you drink obviously it's just like you just don't really care yeah and actually for me this is kind of like a mental block that i've been having with korean is like sometimes i feel the temptation to to be able to express myself as eloquently as i do in uh in uh, in not even in english but like for example like i might sometimes think like oh like i'd be able to say this in chinese why can't Mm -hmm. i say this in korean and it kind of like messes with me so it's that can really 
that can really just like impede your progress and it can impede your performance. And there's another thing that I want to bring up. So um, we mentioned that it's like, it's really fun to cut out your native language when you're practicing among fellow learners. But it's a very different experience when you are not like for us, when you're not allowed to speak English and you have to only speak your target language with a native speaker. That's a very different experience. And it's it's not as fun <laughs> because oh, there's no safety net. Yeah, so. yeah, the, yeah, because there's yeah, there's no safety net. Uh, then the person that you're talking with can't relate to you on the same level. Even if they've learned your language, oh yeah, they uh-huh. they can't really relate to you because you're not learning the language together, right? Like mm-hmm. it's just the language mm-hmm. they were given to they were given at birth. So uh, it's yeah, it's it's kind of difficult. This is something that I experienced with my girl because my girlfriend's Korean, and uh, there are a lot of times, <laughs> as many times as uh, I feel like it, I guess, where I say, okay, like let's only speak Korean. And it's hard, man, like, because mm-hmm. she often says things that I just don't understand. And uh, there there are so many times I'm trying to say something. I'm trying to think of like this crazy elaborate idea and I just can't say it. And it's like, and, um, you know, like she's got that expectation from you to say, like that you're going to say something good. So it's just like, it's a very <laughs> different experience doing that with a native speaker um, compared to like someone who's learning the language with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. I I I sort of jumped up a little bit in my seat as well when you said the that they can't really relate to you because they've been sort of given the language as opposed to when you're le- talking with other language learners when they're learning at the same time as you. But I remember um, having a conversation with. Do you remember that episode I did with Sophia and we were talking about? Uh, sort of language personalities. Mm-hmm. Uh, we sort of were exploring yeah. that idea and we were saying it's not ne- it's also not necess- not necessarily your personality which is changing or something, but in a different language the sort of cultural references which you can make and ideas from the culture which you can import into your communication come from a different pool. And that's a, also mm-hmm. I think a big thing when you're talking with a um a learner from the same background and context um, that you have Mm -hmm. um, as opposed to a native speaker, because you're not in this context. It's not just about the language. It's also about if you, if you're making a joke, for example, Mm -hmm. it's not just that it might be difficult to linguistically deliver that joke. There might be cultural context, which needs, which needs to be understood for that joke to land and things like that, which also that takes that can't relate to you. On a, on a, on a to another whole level where uh, it's it's not just the it's not just linguistically but you have that whole cultural thing going on as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, like, it's it's really it, it's so much easier to predict what somebody's going to say too if they're a fellow learner instead of a native speaker. Yes. Uh huh. Right. But like, okay, an example: Mexicans refer to a lot Malinche. Which is like Malinchista. that has like a whole <laughs> pinch of Malinchistas. <laughs> yeah, okay, but that like just think about that that one word like that is that's for that has like a whole five hundred year history of you know like a Nahuatl 
lady who collaborated with the Spanish um, conquistadors and how it's so it has like a historical reference, but it's also like a uh, pejorative term as well. And yes, it, it's it's language you can just learn. Okay, like bad word, but then like there's just this, like a string of history behind that word. And that's just just mere one one example and how it can get used in like colorful language as a pejorative sense like for mexican i think that's as a as a language learner you gotta really hone in because it's that that is something just just outside the the textbook that that's part of like mexican history and culture like just this one term so like terms are like loaded with yeah like with meaning i guess yeah yeah and at multiple levels because I, I love the I love how we different we can differentiate that in English with connotation and denotation. We have the denotation of a word, which is its literal meaning. But then you have mm-hmm. all of its associated connotations, which could yes. have a connotation in culture, a historical connotation. So a word might literally mean something, um, but then when you go and see all the cultural baggage attached to it, all the or how it might be a historical reference all those things, then you get all the rich meaning of the word, which explains why it might be used in different contexts. And that's when you understand the nuance. And so, that's something... Uh, Ace, right. mm-hmm. you just described precisely why I think that studying like vocab lists at platforms like Memorize is not the best way <laughs> of learning new vocabulary. You new phrase. Ian, are you going to fight that? <laughs> well, no, I, w- I would like to get into this as well. New this point, new point. <laughs> context i i i learned yeah, yeah, all yeah. i learned all my vocabulary through context all of it i write it down i write it down but it's all through context i never like go into like i never like go into google and, and search like um sp- new like advanced spanish vocabulary and then like memorize all the new verbs or nouns or whatever never to be fair some people can remember words better that way yeah, but the, the, what Ace just said, you're that's the um that you're not getting the connotation, right? I'm just talking from a purely memorization standpoint. Just so right, you can be not able to actually call the word. you're 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 only learning a English translation or you're only learning like sort of what that word means you're oh I, I i know i'm just like I, yeah like i agree with you guys it's just it's also helpful to be able to just be able to memorize it that way yeah okay i i actually wouldn't mind just sharing how i learned chinese vocabulary because yeah, i'm super curious because yeah. and then maybe we, we can we can comment on that and we'll use that as a way to dissect the topic um yeah i study chinese at university which means we have a textbook and we work through chapters and they have set vocabulary lists. And um, particularly at the beginning, I think that's actually very useful because um, a lot of us, a lot of us are believers in the idea of comprehensible input and what you guys always refer to as the I plus one, you know, you have your current level and then you incrementally expose yourself to things which are slightly more difficult. And I love I, the math reference, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, so that's super engineer. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's the thing. I often find I articulate things in a in a engineering way. But um, <laughs> uh, where was I? Uh, so learning Chinese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So learning Chinese at university. At the beginning, you can't just offer yourself comprehensible input because nothing's comprehensible. 
So I've sort of looked at this in the context of a bunch of different language learners and a lot of people, like Luca Lampariello, he has his bi-directional translation method, which he does first with a lot of languages. And my sort of way of, of abstracting that out to something which all a lot of language learners do is at the beginning, they do something just to create a platform from which they can go and explore the language and gain comprehensible input. And mm -hmm. for someone, it might be a bi-directional translation me method. For someone, it might be a uh, textbook study. And in the context of what I did at university, it was textbook study where we would have a vocab list. We would have textbook passages and we would move through that. And that was really useful for me because I, and I used a sort of artificial, uh, vocabulary learning method there where I had a textbook list I imported into Anki and mm -hmm. I studied with Anki. Um, but as that's progressed, it's got to the point now where I do a whole bunch of different things and I combine it with a lot of things which give me the connotations. And mm -hmm. so what I, what I do now is not only has my Anki method improved where I'm not just sort of writing the translation and the, the characters, I've got imported audio on the on the card I, and i've got a, a section which is all about notes which is all about those connotations and i actually put that in the card and i re, and i remind myself of that but then also trying to do a whole bunch of extra reading where it's through mm -hmm. just giving your brain the input which it can pass and use to identify patterns where you're going to pick up on those connotations more and i sort of view the artificial vocabulary study through something like anki as a useful tool but it's like scaffolding around a building. It's very artificial. Yeah. It's just sort of this skeleton. And then when you Absolutely. give yourself the comprehensible input, the scaffolding means you can build the structure a lot more, uh, a lot more efficiently and, and quicker because you're not just mm -hmm. hitting your brain with things that it's not understanding. You've got scaffolding, which you can use to build that up and understand the, the input. But when you're actually giving yourself the input, you're, you're actually filling out the building you're now you don't just understand the literal translation of the word now you understand the connotations the context in which it's used and so i started from this artificial sort of vocabulary list method to where today i'm still doing that where i'm because that's the way university is working i work through textbooks um yeah. but i combine that with a lot of 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 reading and even something i've been doing is i've been downloading videos from chinese tiktok and they're short videos and even like 15 seconds. And the whole idea of that is it's not just language, but there's memes. It's all about culture. And so I'll, I'll, I, what was one video? There's this, it's, um, I think it goes, and that means it's like, this is I, the sovereign's lands, which I have conquered for you and but but the the way the the way that it's delivered and the the language that's used is very much associated with sort of a meme it's like jun which is like a pronoun but it's i the sovereign and then right. um just being able to watch those videos i'm not just now learning that jun is is a word which means i the sovereign i'm understanding it, how it's used in a in a context which is a joke and which is right. mean and and that's where it's useful to have 
this scaffolding of of vocabulary which you've learned, but you, it really is not enough when you get, want to mm-hmm. then go and understand the connotations. Totally. I think you're describing in all of this from like your Anki SRS to getting the advanced connotations of a joke on TikTok is what I would I'd say that's like an, an inevitable uh, necessary evolution that you have to take in that language learning where it's going to start with say like the basic 500,000 relevant words say to then if you're really going to keep soaking up that language and exploring new sides and then like a new platform like tiktok what's tiktok it's been like like two years but already you can pack so many new things from a language and culture in it and i think that's fascinating because even like a 15 second tiktok like yeah like is, so that's a reference to a meme i'm taking well i think it's probably from like a a movie or something because it's like a yeah it's they're like miming an audio clip but um, right. I went and looked that up when I was trying to understand what it meant. And I saw all these like school kids making jokes about it. Like they they would have that background audio and they'd be at like a place where there was a bit of a view and they'd be memeing about this, this thing. Right. And um, like there are a lot of cultural, culturally loaded words. Like I, um, someone who I've done an online language exchange with and has an Instagram account, which is all about learning Chinese there's this word like Nan, which is ja is like the dregs like at the bottom of a, a drink that's left behind and then nan mm-hmm. is is like man and it's this it's this word which you can use for someone who's like a bit of a playboy or or like a, a, a bad guy and I saw that on Instagram I was like that's an interesting word and I'll describe the process I went through to understand not just like the literal translation of the word, but actually the connotations of the word. I, um, I, I tutor once a week, uh, I, in a, in the adult migrant English program. So I'm a volunteer tutor who helps immigrants in Australia sort of get to integrate into the community or, or find their way around the community and learn English. And my student is actually from China. And mm-hmm. so what we did is we discussed that cultural concept. So he was practicing his English, sharing a concept from his culture. And that's something we do a lot when we're in our sessions. And then in addition to that, I kept coming across it on TikTok, on Chinese mm-hmm. TikTok. And I saw the word being used in a bunch of different contexts. And it's not necessarily something... Connotations are the th- thing which I find is a lot harder to explain than the denotation. And you often, really quite, and this is the thing with native speakers. Often, what will happen is at best they'll give you the the denotation, the literal meaning, yeah. and then they'll go, "Oh no, the connotation is too difficult to explain," <laughs> and they won't even try. Yeah. And that and that's it can be explained, but it's often best graphs through context and just seeing it in a bunch of different places uh-huh. yeah like the exposure to it cody are you yeah, seeing like squid game references in korea right now in terms of, like <laughs> that a meme there? well it's i mean it's i don't have too much of a presence on like 
this is something I could probably improve with, but I don't have too much of a presence on like Kore- the Korean internet because I just find like a, a lot of it's a little bit too difficult for me, but I should probably just jump in and like get more immersed in it. Uh, so I haven't seen too much of that, but um, just from like a surface level observation, I just, I hear people like humming the song all the time. Like the, yeah, but have you played like, I was going to ask, have you played that game where you got to carve out the cookie? Yeah, I did it actually with, with my girlfriend and I lost, I died. I would have died. Which one did you get? Which shape did you get? Oh God, I got, I, I did the circle. Oh, oh you died. Yeah, that's the easiest one. <laughs> on the circle? Christ. And, oh, no. No, 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 no. Sorry. Sorry. My girlfriend did the circle. I did the triangle. That's even easier. <laughs> <laughs> no, the circle is the easiest. You just got to break. You got three three axes of, of, of breakage, I guess. You can go. Yo, you try it. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't do I would do the lick. The lick. The lick the backside. <laughs> yeah. That would be yeah. my tactic. <laughs> oh god um but yeah that like um squid game though uh yeah there's definitely there's gotta be like references that uh that are permeating society here because it's like it's it's everywhere it's got global right yeah yeah it's a bit of a global sensation yeah but no ace ace going back to your point yeah you gotta really submerse yourself in in the culture and then the only way to really learn like a term, a new term, like new terminology is to listen, to hear the word, the, the word over and over and over again in different contexts. And then finally, finally, you're going to get like a holistic, um, I guess, um, understanding of like all the connotations for that word. And that's, that's the way mm-hmm. that's like the only way to do it really. I mean, yes, obviously going back to the scaffolding argument, like basic words, like basic verbs for like to be, to have, or like me, like pro- basic pronouns and stuff like that. Yes. But the, I, I was talking more at, on like an advanced level, like learning new vocab, let's say, um, I mean, I guess anything, I guess. So to be fair, um, I recently had a meeting, a business meeting actually in Spanish, where we talked about um, engineering things like using a lot of engineering like chemistry terminology and before that i did go up and and translate all like the specific keywords now granted when you're talking about something scientific and and it's like you're translating between english and spanish it's all basically the same word right and i talked (laughs) about this before you know what i mean like like boron in spanish is boron like it's very easy to do that. <laughs> like it's not very hard. And but there was like one word I, I looked up. So so I had to say greenhouse. You guys knows you guys know how to say greenhouse in Spanish? Casa verde. No no no, no. invernadero. Okay. That's, but, okay. But 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 just having like yes, invernadero. But just having like something like a very important task to do, and then like learning those t- like those key words. Um, I feel like that was a very like I retained all those words, even though most like 90% of them were very easy, but I probably looked up like 50, 60 different words and I probably retained all of them. Well, presumably you also went and used them in the subsequent meeting. Yes, exactly. Exactly. But I Mm. learned, I learned them and uh, under the, 
presumption that they were very, very important. Yeah. It was very important that I learned these uh, words right now that I memorized them because I have to use them in this upcoming meeting. Yeah. Right. But how many were... Due to that urgency, like in in sports, people talk about urgency all the time. It's like you can you can kind of transfer that into languages. When there's like an urgency to 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 like memorize something, I guess it's easier for the brain to do it. Yeah, it's more effective. I'm just yeah. This gets in. I don't know if this off topic, but it's related to this. I just there's a Steve Kaufman clip that just circulated this week where he talked about this is about new vocabulary now. I don't know if he's if he factored in cognates when he made this point, but he said after being exposed to a word eight different times, like the same word eight different times. Now, I'm not sure exactly what timeline, what frequency this is referred to as, but he said there's only a 50% chance of remembering that, which I thought was interesting because A, I think, is it related to a cognate because that's a massive point and then b once you i think the biggest thing with going out and out and out further reaches of a language you are going to encounter certain vocabulary less frequently so i don't know Mm. over what like is that eight times over one week is that eight times over one month but the thing even then you only have a 50 percent chance so then Again, you have to factor things like in the context that you're learning it. Um, if it's something like, say, like the Sweco's presentation, is there a sense of urgency behind learning that word? But I feel like this comprehensibility can get really, really fuzzy once you get into like that later evolution in a language because there, there's that that A1, A2 core and then the B1, B2 it's i feel it comes more um what's that word ephemeral 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 yeah, yeah not as like concrete yeah yeah um, well that the i've heard i've heard for some complex and abstract words you can even have to encounter it 50 times in context right. for it to be fully uh-huh. understood and and remembered but just to to comment on that and at the same time respond to what you were saying marcus is I I view Anki as like a use and and as a useful tool beyond just that base set of verbs, the to be that sort of thing. But I'll I'll explain why. When I study something on Anki, I don't expect to quote unquote learn it fully. Mm-hmm. What I view it as is a preliminary passing of the data. It's a preliminary. Uh-huh. So it's it primes it primes me so that when I later understand encounter that word in context i don't need to encounter it eight times maybe i only need to encounter it three mm-hmm. if that makes sense i've already done a sort of i preload i've like front loaded the work of that word in the sense that i've you, done you've conditioned your brain yeah i've done some artificial conditioning so that when i naturally encounter it i'm primed for it it's sort of like um <laughs> sort of like a vaccine i don't know you develop you 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 expose yourself to the thing so that your body develops some antibodies and then when you get the thing later on um you're primed for it (laughs) it's sort of like in anki i'm i'm exposing myself to to the words and i can use them in context like reading and writing because it's very much about translating 
sort of, you know, what's the English, what's the Chinese, but it's not, it's not particularly good for speaking because you don't have that. This is a thing with flashcards. The task that you're doing when you're studying with flashcards is not the same activity, which is not, is not the same activity, which you're doing when you're speaking, for example, mm-hmm. it's not that useful to be able to retrieve something quickly in the way that you do with the flashcard because it's still too slow for when you're speaking you don't go go english to chinese you just got to be able to speak and you got to be thinking about what you want to say not how to say it when Mm. when when Mm. when you want fluency to develop to develop but that's why i don't view it as i view it not as a as a, a thing which allows me to learn vocabulary and that's the end of it it's it's a preliminary pass no, I I totally agree. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I a hundred percent agree with this, and I think it's with each language at least it's something you can hone, especially with those early flashcards. So, for example, recently, um, texted the guys are like, "I'm this. I got two weeks of vacation starting as of this evening right now." So I'm, I'm congrats going by the way, bro. Big on, congrats, you deserve you. it, man. Grazie. Um, uh, Italian. I really want to dig in and. So basically what I'm doing right now is so to talk about what you said, that preliminary passing of the data of the, what we're working with here is, so I'm just going with on memorizes pre-made courses, telling one, I'm just going through in the preview mode and I'm just ignoring uh, certain things like for like standalone verbs. Don't care. Like avere is to have the, the uh, infinitive in Italian. I don't care. I want more things like, um, Oh, fretta, like, uh, it's, is that one cold? No, freddo, cold, oh, oh, fretta is like, I'm in a rush. Like, I just want to see, um, like, that's, that's not exactly like, um, tengo frio or tengo prisa, but you get the concept of like, okay, I have these things and just passing through. So trying to get like a preliminary passing on what I believe is going to be the most relevant to getting me to, a fluency whereas like it was the verb to forget alone like is the infinitive so i'm like okay, i'm just gonna scratch learning some of these infinitives and then here's the thing doing a language like italian from spanish you are cognate rich you are cognate heavy already so anything that's already a cognate from spanish or any other romance language i speak just ignore ignore because i feel like i don't need to keep passing that you're already but hopefully that, yeah. it's already yeah, yeah, yeah it's like why am i like that's what I realized a lot of memorize would be inefficient when you're just doing something like I I already know this. Like, yes, now it's in Italian, but let's work on like sometimes it'll be especially some of the prepositions not related to Spanish. So it's like, let's see those in a context here. Surround those hopefully with some cognates that I've known and then the preposition. So I feel like in this obviously it's going to depend on every language if you've never done a romance language before you might be slowing down but i mm-hmm. i'm hoping i'm i'm trying to get this even way in my, in my teaching with like word lists and stuff trying to present everything from day one in a context in a useful phrase like okay avere is the infinitive to have but like let's just let's get into like the have phrases right off the bat then like so i mean I feel like this is this has been a really long time though to make certain realizations as a language learner because I feel like as you said you're making things comprehensible for yourself a lot of times as a language learner you don't always have the teacher or the tutor sometimes so that that's like so basically what I'm getting at is like that preliminary passing 
part is like really knowing what do I need to see right away. I don't know. Something yeah. And it's really... different with different languages because totally. I, I didn't do this with French, for example, because it's already a cognate heavy language. And mm -hmm. not a, it's not just it's not just sort of cognates, but a lot of English vocabulary is imported from French <laughs> totally. anyway. So when exactly. I was learning French, and actually the way I started studying Spanish was I just straight out went and listened to Spanish podcasts. And I yep. actually, from English and French gave me enough of a foothold to begin that way. But in the context of Chinese, it's it's a it's a wasteland oh. in terms of oh yeah of 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 anchor languages or pre existing knowledge which I can transfer. Which is why mm -hmm. I need to do a lot more of this artificial scaffolding to help me build up that structure. I wanted to, I want to ask you guys based off what you were just saying then, Ian. But I reckon sort of a lot of polyglots and enthusiastic language learners were sort of fake beginners in most of the languages which we start. On day one, I actually don't think our day one. I think often isn't <laughs> what you would what what the day one people who aren't enthusiastic would would have. And for example, you're busy doing a preliminary sort of background looking into Italian before you go and in earnest study that. Mm -hmm. And also, uh, you were on one of your episodes recently, you were saying how you listen, you just like the idea of listening to, to Turkish, maybe mm -hmm. a song, a song every mm -hmm. couple of days or a day. And mm -hmm. The sort of idea of that is when you then go and study Turkish, you're actually already sort of a false beginner. You've got this interaction with the language that you've had, which has sort of prepped you a little bit, and you find that in weird places you get to transfer knowledge that that you wouldn't mm -hmm. be able to otherwise. Yeah. Well, like, Marcus, Cody, you guys want Because, yes, not only just with language Ex, uh, exposure to a specific language i just think as a language learner you're not at day one time you're on language number six number seven or like, that's like, a good point. you know how to attack the language regard like somebody said like learn swahili tomorrow i, I kind of have a plan what i would do yeah and, you like you know what to do like you're not totally lost yeah like i Okay, I'm gonna look at. I greetings. feel like if I feel like if I were to try Mandarin, I would be pretty lost. Really, even yeah, but like, like who who would be more Mandarin? lost, like you or someone who's never learned a language before? Yeah. Okay, fair like, enough. Yeah, but I would still pre. I would still be pretty lost, right? That's that's um, the exact. But I get the point. Like, I get the point. Like, if if you're like a person that's interested in like culture generally, then the probability that you have been exposed to any language is much higher than a person who's who's more, um, uh, I guess, no, not interested in culture, uh, non-cultured. If that makes any, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Like if you're well traveled yeah. and you've met people from all over the world, and like you've hung out with Turkish Turkish people before, and you've heard you've heard them speak, and maybe you've been to Istanbul or something like that, but like you never thought of ever learning Turkish. But then yeah. one day you realize, hey, I want to learn Turkish. It might be easier for you. Or it's probably going to be easier for you compared to someone who's never left their hometown, right? Um, yeah. So I, yeah. I feel like there's two things there. It's that's like just pretty, your language that, learning. Mm -hmm. Right. That, that's language pretty, learning that, skills that's and the culture. Obvious. 
Right, right, exactly. Because the thing is, like, you're not really, you're not really learning, like, just learning the language is only like a part of it, right? You're learning a culture. Mm -hmm. That's ultimately what you're doing. Like, the language is just the, the, the mode of communication of that culture, right, that you're learning just happens to be that yeah. i'm gonna quote you on that. there's other <laughs> there's other point there's other types of like expressions in like a culture like dancing for example like learning how to totally. dance salsa is like a key totally. element of learning like latin american culture right totally. so like 100%. someone you know what i mean like you can't like if you really want to learn latin american culture and like really fit in and go there and like mm-hmm. be a part of society and mm-hmm. and that connect with people well yes spanish will help but you got to do other things as well mm-hmm. perhaps learn salsa learn how to dance salsa or or i don't know whatever listen to spanish music listen to watch spanish movies like know a little bit of the cult or the history um like that's yeah. a part of it right and like that's ultimately what you know like i'm interested in like i like to travel totally. I like to meet people from other countries and connect, right? That's the whole point is to connect with people. And if you don't know anything about the culture, you're not going to have anything to talk about. Yeah, right? It doesn't make any sense. Harder to like, that's why, like the dabble of just like in dabbling just in the language, like Duolingo doesn't make any sense. Cause like, you're not going to have anything to talk about because there's no common interest. But I think, Okay, but going back to like that episode we did recently with my point with like the Turkish song is like even just like a little tiny sprinkle over an amount of time might be able to like once you say seriously full on take on a language jump in like like if it was just like listening to music like say I listen all of 2022 I just listened to like one Turkish song a day and then on January 1st 2023 jumping in i mean maybe i'll have heard some words over like well i most surely have likely will have heard some words but then just that familiarity like it's not maybe the learning the language parts the foreign part but not like hearing the sounds of turkish wouldn't be foreign if i listen to one turkish yeah. song every day for a year so it's 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 not foreign then it's like it's something i'm really used to it's just you're gonna tackle the language side of it now um i i'd be interested in exploring the the implications of what we're discussing on that sort of breadth versus depth approach where yeah what what we're talking because when what you gain from the depth is you what i mean what i mean by depth is focusing on a smaller set of languages and spending much more time on them yeah. is you actually have more time to go and delve into these things which are associated with the culture and the history and therefore reach a higher proficiency in the language, not only linguistically, but that whole side of communication, which is the culture Mm -hmm. and understanding the cultural references and being able to go into a quote-unquote foreign environment and actually understand what's going on there and it's not so foreign. What do you... what? Because in in this group, we've sort of, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's sort of a spectrum of dabble to focus. Like Ian, <laughs> the dabble king, Cody, maybe you're more towards the middle. And then oh, no, it's, it's, 
It's other uh, way around. It's it's. I I would say I'm the middle guy, and Cody's the Cody's the, the extreme extreme focus. focuser. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, as as extreme, I'm not on the very extreme side though, because like a very extreme would be like you only focus on one language, like one. Yeah. Like, so I'm most... still not on the most extreme end, but I'm more extreme than Marcus and Ian for sure. Like, Ian and I, like, we would, like, randomly learn a language, like, dabble in it for, like, a couple weeks and then talk to each other. Yeah, I don't do that. Yeah, like... And why and what are the implications of that? Like, I understand... I The appeal of dabbling is you, you get to... You get to get your feet wet in a few different languages yeah. and experience a little bit, just get a bit of a taste up. But yeah. I, I did that with Italian... Uh-huh. But for me, if I like knew a tiny little bit of a language, it would be so infuriating knowing, <laughs> knowing just, just a tiny little li- enough enough to understand what's there and all that right. could be done with it. But yes. then not being able to do anything with it because I don't actually have any <laughs> proficiency, mm-hmm. which enables a lot of the things you want to do in a language, which is communicating and social experiences. Ian, right. you go ahead. You're the dabble kid, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Let the it's, world it's like, know. what's the appeal? Like, well, for, okay, here's why it works for me. My first degree is in international studies, which is probably one of the most general degrees you can get. But, like, what does that mean? That means I was, like, interested in the world internationally. I mean, I loved reading random books about, like, African geopolitics to uh, – there's a great documentary about, like, the genocide in Indonesia, which is horrifying – so like my brain is kind of just programmed to like want to look at random parts of the world and how that like uh, jives with me personally is like I like to just dabble in a bit like yeah I'm gonna, I want to learn like a hundred phrases a hundred words in Indonesian and yeah it's it's infuriating in the sense of like that's all you know um, but it's like what if I can just kind of grab something like oh okay like I've dabbled a little bit in Indonesian like oh okay the numbers are sort of similar to like to galog and that took like a couple sessions to like realize these connections and you're like oh like i wonder if there was like a migration between so like if you see how that kind of part works like on a social studies side of the brain just being like i want to see like connections here so it's more of like okay. part of like the concept with the lingaholics was like to be like kind of a sociology show too like i wanted to i want to talk to like um, there's a a guy based in Minnesota, for example, really big into the Ojibwe language. Like, so the thing with like the dabbling, it was a lot of like, just like kind of like investigational type of side to it. So there's a huge, like, I feel I get really primed because it's like, okay, I'm not just reading about like Ojibwe history here. And so I know like a little bit, like just a tiny bit. And that's kind of what like gets my flames going for that socially um but then yeah of course like a guy i'm super impressed by i think he's the pinnacle of the focuser is like matt versus japan on mm, yeah, yeah. With youtube whereas like when he does tweets about like really 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 nuanced things well he's to be fair to you're doing the, the chinese things too and like, he's like i really appreciate like it's like oh man like they are like deep they are getting like really into this and that like to come up with those insights stuff that must have took like a long time to get really deep into it so i mean that's not to rule it out i mean it's just a really a matter of how much time you put into it like with spanish i want to 
that's hopefully maybe I can get my Spanish one day to what Matt versus Japan has his Japanese ad. But so really the appeal for me, like the breath wise is that kind of that social, sociolinguistic, slightly historical bent to it. That's my personal interest in doing so. And the, can, can I just, can I just add something to that? Sure. It's also the fact that the, the, you learn the, you, you progress the most in a language in the beginning. In my opinion, mm. at least, like in the, the, the you get that exponential. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a high. You're right. You see yeah. what I'm saying? You get that exponential increase in in the rate of progression in the beginning. Hit, That's very you hit fun. That quick to hit. This. Yes, it's very fun to exploit that, right? So it's you can get up to like A2 or even B1 very very fast, and yep. exploiting yeah, yeah, yeah. that that um, high rate of progression is very very fun. It's like it's really fun. It's it's like it's fun yeah. to be B1, right? Like that's fun. It's not totally. C two, but B one's it's 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 reasonably fun <laughs> and amusing mm-hmm. to be able to riff with someone like just just about like basic yeah. stuff, like describing yourself and like introducing yourself Which, and where you yeah. live and what you do. Like that itself is pretty fun in like a random language. Totally, totally. Like I'm able to do that right now. I have some Korean students in my Spanish class here in Canada, and I'm able to just like do little riffs from like what. I'm, like goes going hard with Cody. So they laugh. They think it's hilarious. I'm like, okay, like, and me knowing like, okay, I need to do better and better and better. But it's fun. It's fun to see. It's it's fun, man. And even even like just knowing like a couple phrases and words is hilarious. Like every time I meet a Korean person, I'm like, come samnila, come samnila. Yeah, like it's it's surface. Yago, yago, kimchi yago, soju hago. <laughs> like it's not to I do be, all that. I, I like yeah. I don't care. I think it's fun. Mm-hmm. So what so I get, you find it infuriating then to be like slight. Well I get urges to go and investigate other languages, but I I often catch myself, I go, Well, mm-hmm. there is so much that I still mm-hmm. haven't done with Chinese. I'm I've barely scratched the surface. That's how I that's how I feel and that's actually that's the reality. Like I'm probably just it's just a I I'm probably around HSK4 level, which in the scheme of things I don't know what what would that be? A B1 at best. Like I, linguistically, I've still got so far to go. Culturally and historically there's still so much to explore and I sort of I get these urges, but then I I feel like, dude, you still haven't done all the things you want to do in Chinese. Like, unlock the next level. Like, unlock the next room once you've really taken full of advantage of what you're working on right now. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I, I'm not saying that's the right approach. It's just what I find myself doing. Like, I do... I, it's not even that each approach has merit. It's just like the different approaches that are just as good. It's just what, how, how, how do you respond to when, when you get that urge and how much for yeah. me, I think I would probably be in, more annoyed at the fact that I haven't progressed <laughs> in Chinese and I would be enjoying the fact that I'm dabbling right. in other languages. I'm not sure. I think that's the difference though. Yeah. That's like, probably, maybe that's, maybe that's feel. the perfectionist in your ace. Well, Maybe got, it's not you know? perfection. I don't think Ace is talking about perfectionism here. Right? Yeah. I'm, about I'm never going to be perfect in Chinese or anything. It's just there's so much I haven't explored. 
and I'm still shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I genuinely feel like <laughs> yeah. there's just there's so so much. Like if I start siphoning off time to dabble in this and dabble in that, it's like already I feel like I'm not studying Chinese enough. Right. I think to to add to that, like because I think yeah, Ace and I are definitely more on the focus side. So uh, what I can add to that is like. I would say that the feeling of being able to express yourself eloquently in another language is so much better than just being able to spew off like a couple phrases in like 30 different languages. Yeah, but like, you, okay, so that, that that's going back to my argument. That's going back to my argument. There's there's a beauty in both. Like if yeah. you're just a serial dabbler, like you're definitely missing out. Like you're missing out on having being like hyper fluent, like really, really good at like a couple languages, like having like one or two languages that you really mm-hmm. focus on that you get really good at, that you're able to be like near native, have like a near native fluency in, right? That like that, that's like, that's different. That's like its own space, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's a completely different experience, but then it's also fun. Like it's purely just fun to be like B1 in like five six different languages oh yeah but i think yeah go ahead i I think for me it's like um this also kind of reflects on my life is like i'm very attracted to ideas of like working really hard for something and i'm i'm like i've got some ideas where that comes from but that doesn't really that doesn't really matter so i like the idea of like instant gratification versus delayed gratification is is really big for me and i think that's where a lot of it comes from is that like when you get that delayed gratification after working so hard for something like it's so much more fulfilling and that's like kind of where i'm coming from well i say you shouldn't be a serial dabbler unless you got like one you feel really really confident in which for me is spanish like i i I love when you get opportunities to use it like today i got to speak with student from Barcelona, student from Mexico. And, and that's the language I've just, I mean, that's what I fortified. So yeah, I think it would be a a lot shallower feeling of doing that if I didn't have a couple languages that I was really, really like dug deep on. Now I think the argument is like, well, you could have spent all your time with that language and then where would it be then? And it's like, yes, of course. And I, I, I think so in a way you can kind of do both like you have some mm-hmm. really deep ones and some really shallow ones and that's yeah yeah the way the way i'd summarize everything we just discussed is dabbling and intense focus on a few languages are, are both enriching experiences they just have different jewels on offer different treasures on offer and it's really down to your personal disposition where mm-hmm. If you if you had like a ruler and you had a line on the ruler which you could slide up and down, it's just where you are on that spectrum in terms of what's what's most fulfilling to you. Just sort of, I think, decides the proportion of dabbling to intense focus that's appropriate for you. I I think that's accurate. Yeah, mm-hmm, yeah. for sure. And as as you do this longer, you'll kind of feel where you are on that spectrum and i mean yeah but but then i don't don't know i see dabbling kind of like doing drugs (laughs) it's like (laughs) best drugs that's like that's like 
I don't know, like, um, like investing in like focusing on one language, that's like investing like in a really stable, like 10 year bond, right? Like a government bond, like you're going to get like 5% interest rate over, over 10 years, you know, like, it's going to be like, it's good for you. It's fun. It's sustainable. And you know, like, it's a, it's a good bet. Like it's a certain bet. But like dabbling, that's like more. That's like going out on a Friday night mm-hmm. and doing like a bunch of drugs. Okay, okay here's my <laughs> and like just having like pure pleasure, hedonistic pleasure. My counter argument yeah. is like, don't you need a break though? Like if you're, like that's the thing. If you're doing this like mm-hmm. lots of hours, like let's say you did six hours of language X, like what's wrong with like a half hour of language Y? Like, yeah, like maybe that'll stimmy progress in language X. Like maybe changing the gears a few times can help if you're but if you're just constantly constantly focused yeah I, I get that but maybe maybe switching it up sometimes could help like maybe like like no, how much do you switch yeah. up? Do you switch to a completely different language do you switch to a cognate language like I, I don't know i think that's everyone's experience what they've kind of played with or dabbled with i guess just yeah. stimmy stimmy motivation maybe okay okay well it's it, it's a good point if you pull if you, if you spend seven hours a day studying language X and then 30 minutes yeah. language Y, there's an argument to be made that that's probably beneficial for language X. I'm that's I, I agree. I, I agree I'm with putting that. Putting out there, it's putting out a theory. No, it, and it 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 sits well with me in not just in the context of languages, but just having diverse um, stimuli in terms of it's that's intellectually stimulating for you and that that's going mm-hmm. to grow your sort of understanding of the world which is all which is a big aspect of dabbling but um also in the context of like doing other things like it's important to get out and do your exercise mm-hmm. otherwise if you, it's like the the naive approach to language learning would be i oh, spend all your time on language learning but really the the much more well considered approach is eat well sleep well exercise well because the only constant in your life is your body and your energy and if you if that starts if that reservoir starts depleting you're not going to be able to study as effectively and there's all of those things so well ace did it ever come up because it's something i'm wary of uh like i i train especially lately i'm getting really back in my triathlon training but i had one buddy like warn me about like about overtraining. Now, I don't know if this exactly applies over to say languages of over-practicing or over-studying, like, but I mean, just being wary of say a burnout phase with the language. Now, maybe what you need to do is change it more like listen to music, watch films, like change it up in that way, but compared to like switching to a completely different language, but this idea like you can over-train in... Sports, whereas so less is actually more in terms of like your long term health and endurance. So, so maybe that's what I mean. Like, switch to language why? Maybe, maybe not switch to language why, but just change up the medium of how you're taking on language. Yes, yeah. like I think it can really, really differ with people. So, yeah, I definitely think you you can overtrain. I mean, I over it's not that I overstudied, like, I. I... I, I sort of burned myself out in the last couple of years of high school because when I got into my first year of university, I was just like, okay, I can't do that. But it wasn't, mm. it was, so that's in the context of study. It's not language learning mm-hmm. specific, yeah. but, yeah. but at the same time, at the same time, um, 
it was sort of calculated in the sense that I it was much more important for me to study hard in those two years than it was in the first year of university kind of thing. So it was right. like, but mm-hmm. um, I definitely think that translates across to language learning at a bunch of different levels. You've come to, it comes across in terms of vary the activities that you're doing. If something starts yeah. getting boring and stale, try something else, maybe try a different, a, a different language. I, I agree with that sentiment. Okay. Yeah. But if you're not feeling that, if you're not feeling that, it's still fine to keep going hard on the one. <laughs> no, no, absolutely. Like, like, like Cody's situation in country. Girlfriend. I want to hear now. more about this. Like, yeah. this is all right, Cody. Like, that's give us the, the time down, when man. I would not be if I was in Korea right now. I would not be dabbling. It would be full guns a blazing Korean. So that's where I think life context comes in. So Cody, how full guns a blazing, my friend? Well, it's not like uh, yeah maybe this is kind of surprising i'm like um i'm not like 100 percent only korean all the time like like i said like i uh i do my uh my podcasts in the morning when i make breakfast those are in all my other languages and kind of like we did during the boot camp like i switch every day so i know i've talked about this on our podcast but maybe for for your listeners ace i do like um I'll switch every day. So I'll start with French on one day and then German, Spanish, Chinese, and then I go back to French. Uh, so for example, today was Chinese day. So when I was making breakfast and eating this morning, I was listening to a podcast in Chinese. And um, that's basically the extent of what, and like also during lunch, when I'm eating lunch, I uh, I watch some YouTube videos and Lately, I've kind of been going down like the the rabbit hole of just like some other random interests. But um, I try, I try when I'm feeling more productive. I try to like, okay, like let's watch something in uh, French or let's watch something in Spanish today. But, but Cody, and, Cody, uh, Cody, yeah. Cody, sorry, sorry to interrupt, buddy. But we want to hear some like Korean stories, like some crazy I, Korean. I know, uh, I know. I, I'm, I'm getting there. He's just going, hold going. on a second. So yeah, so sorry, that's I'm what I'm impatient. doing with all my other languages. And um, that might be kind of surprising because I know we were saying like I'm more on the on the focused side of the spectrum. So it might be it might seem kind of strange that I'm doing that. And that's because um, also I know I've, I've talked about this a lot on uh, our podcast is that uh, my Korean language learning journey has been by far the most difficult of, of all my languages. And um, I've encountered a lot of roadblocks. I've encountered a lot of frustrations. And I think the reason I'm holding on to those other languages right now is because, like, I just I just like feeling good in my other languages. <laughs> like, I like the feeling of not sucking. You want you want your safe space. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's like kind of like a safe space for me. I'm like, oh, finally, like a safe space of competency. Yeah. So um, language safe space. Yeah. So for my Korean, um, I I've got my very little because i know like ace was just talking about i'm also a big proponent of like just living a healthy lifestyle because if you if you throw that all to the wayside and you just focus on language learning all the time you're like yeah you're gonna burn yourself out you're gonna feel like crap like you're not gonna get as much out of it right so um i a big portion of my free time is spent like taking care of myself like i like i said i like i cook breakfast i eat breakfast every morning um i i wash the dishes all the time i don't let the wa- i don't let the dishes pile up like i go to the gym and it takes time to walk to and from the gym right and i uh i do these cold showers and meditation routine like 
all this time, like that adds up. So mm -hmm. um, in my free time, I usually only have um, like on a day when I'm cooking, which is like an average day, I only have about like an hour or an hour and a half of time with, that I can actually sit down and focus on language learning. So during that time, that's when I'm focusing on Korean. That's when I, um, I'm more of a traditionalist, I guess you could say. So I like, I like books and the classic ways of language learning. It's just what works best for me. Um, so that's what I'm doing with my Korean. And uh, I mean, I'm li I listen to music here and there, but it doesn't take a, a big portion of it. And also when I'm feeling productive, I like to watch shows after work. Because after work, I've got about a period of about an hour and a half before I go to bed. And after my my job is pretty exhausting. So I'm like floored after that. Like I can't do any, I can't sit down with books after that. Like I'm useless. So I just have to like watch something on Netflix. And when I'm feeling in more in a productive mood, I watch something in Korean. But when I'm not, I'm like, ah, it's just like watch trailer park boys or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um your cultural so, heritage. Yeah, but the my my biggest shot of Korean is absolutely the time that I spend with my girlfriend. Uh right. because yeah. right now in Korea we've got uh we're 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 I mean I don't know I think it's making the news like worldwide right now that Korea is like just pooping the bed with with COVID. So um looks like the government's re-implementing some restrictions. So um don't really have a choice for socializing. So uh, and my my job too. My job is very antisocial. Like there's no interaction that I really get from my coworkers. So honestly, like the only social interaction I get here is from my girlfriend. And once in a while, I see some other friends. Uh, some of them Korean, some of them foreign. So I get some practice that way. But the vast majority is with my girlfriend. And um, yeah, it's uh, like we were talking about earlier it's when you when you're even when you force yourself to not speak english or not speak your native language it's it's different when you're talking to a native speaker so um it's um yeah i don't know like i feel like it's definitely good practice but uh it it takes a toll <laughs> it takes a toll on me and you need to have energy for it like it's not something that mm -hmm. gives me energy it's like i need to have energy in order to do it. motivation yeah. yeah, yeah, you kind of need to have motivation, but <laughs> I'm I'm more and more interested in finding ways that you guys have been talking about where everything just comes natural. Like you don't really have to feel like you're working for it. Like you're just doing it for fun. This is like my perpetual struggle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what you've been big on, Marcus, is talking about how you don't you don't force it, you've just set up a natural not even That's a system, right, just man. a a natural That's process right. where you you have your podcast that you listen to and and you have a could you could you talk a little bit about that like actually how does that how does that what does that look like concretely right. like in a day you know the natural so, so, just sort of when do you when do you actually find yourself just naturally wanting to listen to things so uh, just full disclosure here to all the listeners I would consider myself being the world's laziest polyglot. Like I am not <laughs> like, look, I do a lot of stuff. Like I have a lot of willpower. Like I do a lot of exercising. I work a lot with my day job. 
So I don't, I don't really have time to like sit down with a textbook and like study. That's not like, I have not, I do not have time nor energy for that. Um, so what I do is basically in order to, to retain or, um, sustain my current languages, I engage a lot in, you know, various social activities, like these language meetups. I have a bunch of friends, like Hispanic friends that I speak Spanish with and, and, uh, every once in a while, I haven't done it in a while now. Uh, but I take a lot of italki classes, but sobre todo overall, or like most importantly, um, I listen to podcasts. I listen to podcasts uh, many, many hours every week. I probably average, I would guess, two hours a day. That's like average. But sometimes, you know, I can listen to podcasts for eight hours a day. That that That's pretty normal to me, for me. Um, so I have a bunch of different podcasts that I follow quite religiously in Spanish, mostly in Spanish, but also in French. I have one or two in Portuguese um, and uh, one or two in German, but mostly in Spanish, right? And and they're they're mostly like long format podcasts that um, talk about very contemporary topics, so like politics or culture or um, I guess anything, anything that's like new and like. Um, Actual, relevant. like uh relevant right um like it's funny now when i'm talking about these podcasts like my brain shifts, to shifts Spanish yeah yeah it's weird it's strange uh but you know like these podcast episodes are like four hours long and um you know they're very um captivating uh, oftentimes so like you can't st- you know when you like listen to a, a like a talk show podcast for like four hours and like just flies by like that it's kind of like that right um so I, I find myself doing that a lot a lot at work so I do a lot like my work is very versatile like I do a lot of different things like I do a lot of like writing and like computer design work but I also do a lot of like a practical lab slash um workshop uh work as well and when i'm doing this these menial um tasks i guess like physical tasks um then i find myself you know just throwing in one airpod and listening to throwing on a podcast right listening to a podcast and then naturally i i throw on one of these spanish podcasts usually i have a couple that i listen to in french as well um uh, mostly like news like news podcasts in french and I have this one, Sans Filtre, that's a uh, Quebec talk show as well. That's pretty funny. Like, it's super, <laughs> like, progressive and, uh, uh, I don't know, funny. I guess it's, I don't know, whatever. It's 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 uh, amusing sometimes, depending on the topic and the guest. But, uh, yeah, I listen to them a lot. I drive a lot as well. So when I drive when I'm in the car, I, I listen to these podcasts. Um. Uh, when I exercise, I don't, I listen to music because I run a lot. I, I do a lot of running. And when I run, I do like high interval training, I guess. And like short distance running, but like high intensity, like five Ks and uh, like seven Ks sometimes, but it's like, it's really fast. So you need music. So I can't really focus on, on, uh, on a podcast when I'm doing that. If I were yeah, to do I like, like a longer too. run, if I were to do like a longer run, like the mm-hmm. summer I got into like mm-hmm. longer running, like over like 10 K or more. And then I would I would listen to a podcast probably if I did that. But 
otherwise otherwise i i listen to music when i do my my like high intensity runs um what else yeah so it's just natural to me like when i see in my podcast feed when i see that there's a new episode of one of these podcasts i just i i I naturally want to listen to it right it's like i find it interesting like it's inherently interesting to me and and at that point it's not really like i'm i'm doing it to learn it's like i'm doing it because i want to and it's like it's a part of my my routine i guess go um i have the same thing with youtube i follow a bunch of youtube channels um and it's at the point i've talked about this before it's at the point where youtube thinks thinks that i'm some like weird uh (laughs) (laughs) spanish slash uh um, or hispanophone slash francophone so i get my ads now in spanish and french and i get these video recommendation like aprender inglés yeah (laughs) pasos para aprender inglés para principiantes that's really funny like i've tricked the algorithm and i've talked about this before i have i so like on youtube you can if you see a video that you don't want to see in your algorithm, you can like go into the menu, the drop down menu, and not then you click like I'm not interested, yeah. or like don't yeah. don't show me content like this. So I've tricked my YouTube. It's like as soon as I see anything in English, I I, I click it away. Get out of here! So I've tricked my YouTube algorithm, <laughs> and you know, like the social network and everything, like the YouTube algorithm it supposedly knows you better than anyone else. <laughs> well, my YouTube <laughs> algorithm thinks that I'm like some weird freaking Hispanophone, yeah. Francophone immigrant from like Cuba or whatever. <laughs> something weird yeah. um that's cool uh so i don't know like i don't i don't force myself to study languages i just do it because i'm naturally interested in it um also like I, I i like following news from other from all over the world like to me it's fascinating to like watch like the, the noticias the news in spain to see like what's going on there and like follow along a little bit like when 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 uh, there were like the big uh, volcanic eruptions in in the oh. uh, Grand Canary Islands, like I followed yeah. that. Palma. La Palma, La Palma, so. Um, and I don't know, just other things. Like it's fun to like yeah. not just consume like anglophone uh, culture and news. It's fun to like dive yeah. into the Hispanophone world um, every once in a while. And that's a way of reaping the reward rewards of sort of focusing on or having a language in which you're you're quite proficient because you can transition from studying the language to just consuming content which you would enjoy consuming anyway. It just happens yeah. to be in your target language. That's the best but, level yes. once you get there. It's but I also I also want to say like when I was dabbling in Russian, I was just do, like I was listening to uh, like the Pimsleur language program in my car every morning while commuting to work and it's like it's super like <laughs> i find it hilarious I, like sometimes i find myself just laughing out loud because i find it so funny like just that method of of learning that medium is just so hilarious and like it's repeating like a, everything and then yeah. like saying it all over and over again and then like eventually it just becomes so comical it's like yeah. a tickle it's kind like of. a tickle. <laughs> linguistic tickle and what? that again, like that's natural to me. Like I, I look forward to doing that. Yeah. Well, what do you guys think of finishing up on like an improvised ten minute p- power ten hey. minute or something like that? Hey, I think that'd be Oh yeah, yeah, why yes. not? I don't. So what if I don't speak any German? 
Um, Pick a language. We got we've got French, Spanish. I mean Chinese. Chinese. Me and you can do Chinese. Yeah, and then what else? And then I'll. uh, Should me and Ian do Korean? No, no. We've (laughs) postponed this. We've postponed this. We could we could do um, like Next the year. Esperanto, and you guys just like help me out. <laughs> oh oh my god, I haven't done any Esperanto since the boot speak, camp. You speak any Russian, Ace? Uh, nothing other than Privet. I can also say Ya Papa Putina. I'm Putin's dad. <laughs> that's, that's, that's literally all I know. <laughs> this is the useful Not things. Yeah. yeah, that's all. All right, how about we just do French, Spanish, Spanish, Chinese, French, and then Cody and Ace say some Chinese, and I'll just buzz in with... Oh, God, I haven't used my Chinese in a while. (laughs) (laughs) Tu veux veux commencer en français? Okay, on on commence en français, alors. Oui. Bien sûr. Combien de temps? J'ai mon timer, là. Ah, oui, le timer. Tu utilises l'alarme aussi Ok, ouais, oui. Comme... je, peux, je peux sonner l'alarme au bout de okay. 3 minutes. On fait ça. 3 minutes, ce n'est pas une alarme aléatoire. Ah, ok. Sur chaque 3 minutes. Ah, ouais, on si, peut si on veut que, que ce soit plus random. Ouais. Euh, ouais, ouais. Non, je ne sais pas comment, comment le faire. <rire> Donc 3 oh, minutes, okay. c'est fait. C'est, c'est, c'est l'improvisation. Ah. C'est le... Le beau chose. Oui. Avec ouais. <rire> non, mais ouais. c'est, c'est exactement comme ça. On passe tellement de temps parlant des langues, en parlant des langues, mm-hmm. mais mm-hmm. C'est, ce serait dommage de partir sans parler les langues. Exactement. Oui, oui, exactement. Non, j'ai, j'ai trouvé ce problème avec, parce que je suis un grand fan de Lindy Botter, Seabold, beaucoup de les polyglottes et le problème est que beaucoup de la contente, c'est dans anglais. So, alors, oui. j'aime, beaucoup, j'aime beaucoup apprendre, écouter les idées pour les glottes, mais en même temps, c'est difficile de continuer à étudier en même temps. Mm-hmm. Alors, c'est une autre balance. Ce n'est, ce n'est pas le problème de... Oui. de c'est le problème, OK, parce que j'aime beaucoup la théorie de l'apprentissage de la langue. Alors... Oui, c'est un autre mm-hmm. problème, polyglotte. Beaucoup de problèmes pour les polyglottes, non? Non, non c'est, c'est totalement vrai. Tu, <rire> tu veux, tu veux euh, regarder des vidéos qui, qui t'intéressent, mais si c'est en anglais, ça perd un peu l'intérêt. Ce oui, serait oui, super oui. si c'était une oui. vidéo sur le sujet qui t'intéressait, mais en, mais en même temps dans, dans la langue cible. Ouais. Oui, en, en fait, le problème que je vais là, est-ce que le, le, il y a euh, trop d'anglais dans la communauté polyglotte? C'est, c'est trop en anglais. C'est toujours dans, en, en anglais. Alors, oui, c'est parce vraiment que dommage, je crois. La langue, la langue internationale, c'est l'anglais, non? Donc, euh... Oui, mais dans la communauté polyglotte, je peux m'imaginer que... Euh, il y a d'espace pour les autres langues, non? Non. C'est une vie espéranto. Mais c'est presque certain que tout le monde euh, parle anglais. Mec. Ouais. Oh, 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 l'espéranto. Uh-huh. 
Oh, oui, oh, tu, tu, veux dire que, tu veux dire que l'espéranto euh, peut... Ah, la langue, la langue internationale, ouais. Peut être <rire> la langue internationale, ou peut, peut être oui, oui, le, oui, le, je... la langue pour le polyglotte. Je voulais pas, je voulais pas qu'on oh, tu... qu change à l'espéranto. Je, je disais juste que l'espéranto. Non, 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 je veux, je veux pas, blague, je veux, ouais, je veux pas qu'on change, change de langue. Oui. C'était, c'était ah, juste pour ah, dire que l'espéranto ouais. peut-être, oh, oui, ça, je... ça aurait ouais. pu être la langue internationale, mais, mais bon. Mais il y a oui, popularité pour l'espéranto oui. dans la communauté. Si, si tu vas une le polyglot gathering, la conférence polyglot, le long fest, il y a beaucoup euh, de les, ça... euh, qui parlent l'espéranto. Mais le, ça ne va pas déjà. C'est un peu d'espagnol, non? Un peu d'espagnol. À l'espagnol. Oh. Vamos. Entonces, <rire> hace, hace, hace. Comment va l'espagnol? Hace. Hace. Es como cuando fue en, en Chin, como decir Chin, China, China, China. Cuando fue en China, uh, to, todas las personas uh, para llamarme um, decía decían as, as es como eso. <risa> mi, mi, mi nivel de español es de peor en peor. Porque ah, no. no practico mucho. No. Pues, ¿por, ¿por no, qué no? Está bueno. Porque tienes mu mucho bueno, talento. No, entiendo, entiendo. Y, sí, tienes mucho talento también. Pues, puede imaginarme que no hay mucha, mucha, mucha personas uh, hispano, 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 hispanófonos. Hispanohablantes. No. Hispanohablantes, hispano hispano sí. <ríe> sí. <ríe> perdón, perdón. Es porque hablantes en, en Australia o qué? Ah... Creo que, que hay personas que hablan español, solamente es que yo uh, me enfoco más sobre el, el sino y uh, sino, sino y el, el uh, francés. Sí, mm, sí. Pero, pero en comparación con aquí, puedo imaginarme que la cantidad de, perso de personas o, o la comunidad hispanohablante en Australia no es tan grande como en Norteamérica. Sí. Probablemente. Oh, oh. probablemente. Tiene sentido, ¿no? Sí. sí. Pero también sí. creo que sí, veramente... Uh, uh, quería, quería encontrar más personas hispanohablantes, creo que sería posible. Oh, sí, por Ajá. supuesto. Sí. Sí, sí estoy, no, estoy cierto que, que hay personas, mucho, sí, puede, puede encontrar personas hispanohablantes en Australia. Por es, 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 está cierto que haya muchas personas no me importa el crowd no me no me fucking importa la gramática es lo más importante hay que ser muy correcto no eso es la cosa no recientemente no me mis ideas del aprendizaje de la lengua es vete el carajo la gramática y no, 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 estoy en serio, estoy en serio, porque la forma de entender es lo más importante, es la forma, no, 
or, or es el, no, 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 lo siento, lo siento, no, no la forma, el mensaje, esto es lo más importante, la forma sí. viene mucho, muchísima después, la gente que enfoca tanto en la forma, no sirve para el aprendizaje. Sí, pero Teo, Teo, seg no, 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 no. Seg según yo, el subjuntivo es algo muy bonito en el español, especialmente no, 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 en, el, en el español, porque no se usa en tanto lo, en, no, no, en el no, francés. No, no. Piensa en los principiantes. Este pinche palabra, ¿no? Principiantes. Principiantes. Sí, pero nosotros, nosotros somos avanzados. ¿No? Ok, ok. Pero nosotros. Tienes un punto en este contexto, pero en general, con los principiantes, esto no vale nada, güey, porque es la, la gramática es para después. Ahora, en sí, mis clases, bien, no, sí. no me importa, este semestre no me importa masculino o femenino. Y ha sí, sido mamón, un cambio wey. radical. No, no, güey. Porque es una preocupación y no importa esto. Vamos a preocuparnos de esto más tarde. Ah, es la alarma. Es la alarma. ¿On change maintenant? Maintenant, ce serait, sino, el chinois. El chinois. Oh, God. Codo. Pero,啊我们说中文吗我没有没有我有点紧张我我也有好好没没说中文很久时间很很长时间了对我我也很很久没说了嗯但是我我还是我还是听播客还是还是 看书，所以我我的水平还可以吧。但是来，如果我们我们聊天的话，然后这周是有点，这周有点难了。对，我我觉得上次我我说中文是跟我的朋友，有有一个中国的朋友，嗯，他我我们上个月。<笑> <对。笑> <笑> 还是两个两个月前我们是呃我们是聊天的但是嗯这呃会好不容易这是呃以后我我我没有说我我没有说中文我我也听博客呃但是连看书我我看书的不多<笑><笑><笑><笑> 因为我我在我的有有我有空的时候大部分是学韩文所以连甚至现在我我有我有我有一些单词用用韩用韩文来来写所以我要哦呃我我们我们我们说中文的的时候你你是不是有点 呃，像说韩语，是，对，对，嗯，是，是，是因为他们，他们有，有一些一样的部分吗？啊，还是，还是，又是单词，我，我，我不觉得，我，我，我，我觉得不是，嗯。<笑> 他们的他们的语言是一样的，就是单词很多单词很很像。
，你知道吗？还有，现在你很习惯说韩语，不习惯说中文。啊，我我喜欢说中文，因为我的中文比我的韩文好。<笑>啊 ，OK，OK，、okay, okay. 对，但是，嗯，嗯我我觉得我应该，呃，对我的韩文，我觉得我应该。呃，更更喜欢一点，因为我觉得我总是觉得哦，这韩文太难了，你你你说的这么差，为什么？但是我我我不觉得，我我不应该觉得这样。嗯，提高你的你的水平以后，你肯定会会更更喜欢说说韩语。对，对你说的对。对 yeah. Okay. Max, <laughs> not bad. Not bad. Not bad. Eh? Good job. That gets me in a that gets me in a dabbling mood. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Doesn't that just get the juices flowing? Hey, just. It's like I don't even have a single Chinese word in my head, and then after like two, three minutes, you're starting to. Yeah. You you can change quickly, but I almost feel、yeah. like your brain's playing catch up. Where at the end of three minutes, you've warmed、yeah. up again, and I reckon if we were doing like ten minute segments, by the end of the ten minutes, you'd be、mm-hmm. you'd be a lot more comfortable and flowing than in the first. Th- than at the you know at, at just three minutes is what we were doing there. It's just, that was so rapid. Yeah, so Ace, I was struggling to express this in Chinese, but、uh, similar to what you were saying, like when when we were speaking、uh, Spanish, I was thinking a bit in French. I was like, I was trying to have to stop myself a little bit、mm. speaking something in French, and then when we switched to Chinese, all of a sudden I had something like a lot of thoughts in Korean, <laughs> and it was just like I I didn't do any Korean before that. It's just like so I think that is that's absolutely correct. Like. You might have certain languages like in sectors, but you have、yeah. like. So for me, I guess in my brain, I've got the European sector and the Asian sector. Yeah, yeah, I I totally get that. Although I did yeah, find, for the weirdest reason, some at the beginning of Chinese, I was like getting interference from in between Chinese and French. It was bizarre, but it went away <laughs> after a while. <laughs> I think it was just, but if you if you have if you go into foreign language mode and you're not for、mm-hmm. sure, you, like you have almost nothing in a language that you're, you're learning, you you almost try to compensate by being like ah, foreign language mode, and you just like pick the one that you can actually communicate in, and then you get interference.、Yeah. But once you build it up, it's sort of they have to be. Related in some other way, that doesn't happen、yeah. as much. I'm not busy going like mixing French and Chinese as much anymore. <laughs> yeah. But don't you just find like the mode is so fun, like because it's just、oh, like、yeah. boom, like because we just we however long we talked there for the first part, like in English, and then it's just like, and that's that initial delight <laughs> that's never left me. Yes,、like、getting it the first time, like it's just like. It's just as fun. Like it just, I don't like. I don't know if other languages, like, feel this, other language learners feel the same after like a really long time of speaking a language. But like, 
like a decade on doing Spanish now. It's just like it's so much fun. Yeah, still. like it's just that that feeling of switching. It's just, is just magical. Isn't it, it is. Shreko was saying, ah, oh, dabbling is like doing drugs. Well, I'll tell you what. I just got the biggest <laughs> dopamine hit. <laughs> it yeah, just actually feels actually oh, like man. it just feels so good. It does. Yeah. Look, girl. Yeah. And then to do it with good friends and good company on top of it. Just like if you guys for are sure, yeah. doing a power hour or something, if, don't hesitate to invite me along. That'd be yeah. Totally <laughs> yeah. yeah. We'll get these time zones realigned again for the yeah eighth power hour. Yeah. We're doing we're doing four time zones right now, folks. Yeah. Oh yeah. Four, we're juggling four time zones, and we made it work. <laughs> Absolutely easy. <laughs> All right, so so can we just go through what time it is everywhere? One eleven p.m. for me. That's so um, what day? Eleven what eleven. Day? Make a wish. Oh, eighteenth okay. uh, of December. Right. One eleven p.m. And then for Cody, I said it's eleven eleven. Make a wish. Oh, so wait, you are um, December is ahead of Cody. Well. Yeah, Probably I'm. Probably. I'm like, unless you're in New Zealand, you're not ahead of me. <laughs> All right. So right. Th- then, then we'll go. So then it's me. So it's like Ace is like one, uh, twelve, right? No. Yeah. Yeah. One twelve now. One twelve p.m. Uh, Saturday, December eighteenth. Then Cody, eleven twelve p.m. Saturday, December eighteenth. And then it's like me in Ontario. It's nine twelve p.m. Friday, December seventeenth, and then it's Senor Regnier, leg and behind Rainer <laughs> in uh, freaking Alberta. It's freaking seven twelve. Seven twelve only. The night is young. Wow. <laughs> Friday, Summer, Friday night, first day of the holidays. Night is young. Just getting started with a hit of His friend just yeah, felt like, something. I'm gonna start my you holidays never... with a podcast with Ace Buck and the boys. Like, let's go. Ah, this was awesome, yeah, guys. Go, Thanks for. <laughs> it was a short notice as well. Like, I I only messaged you guys a week ago at most and uh yeah yeah but i'm us lately it's like what can work this can work let's go yeah i i canceled all my weekend plans just to do this <laughs> <laughs> all right well maybe we'll finish up there so cheers for coming along guys and to everyone who's listening i hope you enjoyed the episode thank you cheers <laughs>